Good evening, you're listening to Good As Hell. I'm your host, John Rutherford. And I'm Rick Hampton. That, that was that was some late night love vibes. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. We should rebrand, actually, I was saying um, off mic that we should rebrand as a um, Funny Things That My Mum Said This Week podcast. But actually, we should rebrand as a there's late night radio DJs that pay like mellow madness style on magic FM. I mean, I'm up for it. Do you reckon we could get a job? Oh, send them this. Yeah. Send them this. Send How them could this. they say no? How could they say no? <laughs> they listen to, I mean, if they listen to like the first 10 seconds of any podcast where I've got my telephone voice on and um, before I get her up, they'll be like, yeah, this guy's smooth. Like we want him as part of the team. But yeah. then when I'm going, doing your impressions of uh, fucking Kentish melt. Yeah, you really had Football to. Lads. You really had to reach for that. You really, really struggled for that, didn't you? <laughs> I pulled you it right, off. Mate? Don't worry about it. I pulled it off. Dirty boy. Um, so uh, I um, said um, that we're reorganizing the content. So we're going to get all of the fucking depressing stuff out of the way first. Then we're going to um, have like the fun stuff at the, at the end. Um, and then that way, no one has to bother listening to the podcast. They can turn off in the first 15 minutes as opposed to us lulling them into the bath and then passing them the razor. Yeah. Um, Fine. So did you see the BBC um, Navy out in force this morning? The BBC Navy? Yeah, so the BBC, because you know it's August, so nothing's happening in the world. Everyone's on holiday. Even in lockdown, nothing happens in August. Sure. And so historically, it's silly season for the newspapers and for the media. And which usually what will happen is a very, very minor story because it's all that's happened that day will suddenly become this ridiculously overblown huge story. Exactly. So this year, um, because we can't even have fun anymore, the ridiculously overblown story is um, that uh, about 250 um, migrants, um, I'm going to say refugees, I'm going to call them refugees. because that's what they are. Got in, a, got in a number of dinghies and um, motorboat, motorboated their way across um, the um, English Channel to land in Dover. And it started with fucking um, that melted um, marzipan figurine, Nigel Farage, um, kicking off about on Twitter. Um, and so obviously our dog shit um, media um when well this is the most important thing we could be talking about at the moment in a, in a country with you know at least sixty thousand people dying in the last six months because of um, something that everybody saw coming well a month before it happened i'm not going to say like we all saw it coming out <laughs> six years ago yeah we're, we're not all but it looked like it when it got to italy it looked like it might be coming here yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so the bbc um had a uh, reporter on a on a I assume a fishing boat, but it might have been a tugboat. You don't know. Um, uh, in the in the um, channel this morning, um, at like ten to seven, and they just bumbled into a um, group of um, refugees in a dinghy, and the fellas like, oh, "There's a lot of them there. Good. There's about there's about forty of them." Um, and then he just—he's got his—he's um, got his shotgun mic. I think it's a shotgun mic, isn't it? Like the like the handheld thing, and it's like if it's got the furry, it's got the furry loofer on it. But if you like took that off, it's like a directional mic. Sure. Yeah. 
And so he's pointing it at them and he's going, um, are you all right? And then he goes, <laughs> uh, and then he goes, um, um, where, where are you coming from? And uh, they go, one of them just goes, Syria. <laughs> and he goes, they're saying they're from Syria. <laughs> and they, the, the knowing look at the camera saying, but we know different, don't we? <laughs> there was um, one that, the one that I saw was a lady, uh, uh, again, BBC News uh, reporter who'd gone out there to, it was an even smaller dinghy. It was like, there was a, there was probably 10 people on it max and they were yeah. squeezed on. It was like a rigid inflatable, you know, it was yeah. one of those. Um Ribs, I think they're called. And uh, yeah, for your pleasure. Yeah, and uh, and they had and they had you know spoken to some authority, whether it be Coast Guard or Navy or whoever. I don't know who it was, but uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently they'd said to the BBC news crew, "Oh, we're a bit busy doing other stuff. Can you keep an eye on them?" <laughs> so they were just following them with a the fucking film crew, going, "Yeah, we're going to keep an eye on them. See if they get into trouble." Well, I mean, what's supposed to happen is um, if any craft is in your territorial waters and anything happens to them, you've got to save them. So yeah. I, th I think she's Holly Willoughby's sister. I think her name's, uh, well, her name's India Willoughby. No, what's Holly Willoughby? What, Holly Willoughby? This is where I need to, right, I asked Charlie yeah, to be on yeah. the podcast tonight and she went, oh, you do this every week. You ask me after I've taken my makeup off. So we're going to have to do the podcast um, next it's time. Not, she, I, it's what I said. But she, we're not I'm recording the video. Yeah, but she's on camera, you know. Fine. Just get her to sit just off camera. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. But did she listen? No, she didn't. Um, I think, yeah. Is it Holly Willoughby? Yes. Is that the lady? Yeah, okay. You, when you know when you're, you know when you're saying a word and you're not sure if that's... Say it too much and then it... It doesn't sound right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this bird's called India Willoughby. Right. And I'm assuming that she's Holly, Holly Willoughby's sister or niece or something. I don't know. I mean, Holly Willoughby, you could tell me she's 50 and I'll be like, yeah, she's decent, isn't she, for 50? Or you could tell me she's 22 and I'll be like, yeah, she's she's decent, isn't she, for 22? Like, she indeterminate we, age. She's like, segwayed? death becomes her. Have we segued? No. Um, anyway, so... India. The, the person that I could literally... I've got Google open in front of me. I could type in India Willoughby and find out who she is. I, I refuse not, to. I bet she's not Willoughby's sister. There's a lot she of people was, who oh, have the same last name in the world. Well, why don't you related. find out? Why don't you... Yeah, but for what? them both to be what? on this morning. What, Mr. Massive Internet Connection over here? You want me to do it, do you? <laughs> oh, fucking hell, this is it. I can hear the, I can hear the hamsters spinning extra fast. India Willoughby. India Willoughby, yeah. India anyway, Scarlet Willoughby. She was on um, transgender. I don't think she is. Um, I, I no, I bet she's got some robust opinions on it because I think she's branding herself as like a um, like uh, the acceptable face of fascism, <laughs> like of all the the culture war shit. Yeah, John, no, nothing to do with Holly. Uh, was born Jonathan, and she's. It, a she, no, no, I nearly did that. <laughs> cut that. Cut that out. Cut that Britain's out. first transgender national television television newsreader on Channel Five. First trans transgender co-host of an all-woman talk show called Loose Women on ITV. Okay, yeah. so she's not she's not anything to do. Did you was her surname Willoughby before she transitioned? Uh, I believe so. Okay, so she's not related to Holly Willoughby. It's just. It, just if coincidence. She, if she is, it, there is no mention of it. 
It's been mm-hmm. scrubbed from the internet. Anyway, um, but she's also like, um, that's weird that she... Oh, I think what it proves to you is that um, we haven't segued away from the BBC thing this week, but there's been an argument in the Labour Party this week. Um, as an ex-member, I'm still keeping tabs on the old boys. Um, there's a, a Labour MP for um, Canterbury called Rosie Duffield, who's just a bit of a fucking knob. And uh, she put up a thing saying that something about how like only women have cervixes and stuff like that. And obviously people pointed out that, you know, other people have cervixes as well. You don't have to be just be a woman to have a cervix. You could be, for example, a trans man who hasn't um, had bottom yeah. surgery yet. Yeah. Was that top surgery? Or, or, I've got or, to do some research. So I'm just going to turn the webcam off. And if you hear anything, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, and, and and people were like, you know, that's that's bollocks. Yeah, that's bollocks. Mm. Like it, it's clearly like that kind of um, the fact that turfism has um, infected middle class women with uh, some middle class women in this country. I don't want to generalize. Um, anyway, and then somebody said, and then a lot of people were saying, but actually, Rosie Duffield was um, uh, beaten by a partner, um, and she delivered a um, a very um, harrowing speech in Parliament about her experiences of domestic violence. And my point was, just because something horrible happens to you, um, it doesn't mean that you can't have dog shit opinions. So you can be like persecuted yeah, yeah. as a trans woman. Um, and you can still have dog shit opinions such as we should put barbed wire in the t- in the sea around England to pop their um, inflatable that, boats. Was that India Willoughby statement? <laughs> that was India Willoughby statement. hell. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, it wouldn't be the fact that she's a trans woman that would stop me shagging her. It also wouldn't be the fact that she's got dodgy opinions. She's a racist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In the words of Alan Partridge, she's an alcoholic and a racist, Lynn. I can deal with one. I can't do both. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, oh, so yeah. the, the, the BBC's acting as, as um, the Royal Navy now due to budget cuts, both in the BBC and in the Royal Navy. Um it's just mental. So, so it's that, like watching yeah, the running bonkers. man. Yeah, yeah it is bonkers. Yeah. So the ter- it, just to c- um, come back to the uh, turfism thing, um, where so where do you stand on on um, you know kind of gender uh, reassignment surgery uh, or or kind of medical intervention of any kind really on on kind of young people? I think it's like I think that so it's it's one of those weird situations where. Your politics lines up with, um, go with me here, audience, I'm not about to come out as a turf, um, where um, like your politics lines up in one direction in a lot of areas. So like, for example, like as a socialist, I believe in a large state to be able to um, like basically gather um, the um, surplus labor and then spread it around to the people most in need. Um, but I suppose one of the areas that... Um, and maybe it's just laziness on my part that I'm a fucking huge libertarian is around trans rights and, and gender, which is, I don't give a shit. Like, honestly, like it has literally zero effect on my life. The only effect that it has on my life is it makes me feel bad when I see people being horrible to people. So if, you know, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Like if you want to self-identify like, i just think it's what's easy like i'm lazy so if i was i put myself in their boots 
Um, I'm going to say shoes, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I put myself into their, their shoes. high heels. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just think like, how much of a fucking ball ache would it be? Like your life is a huge ball ache anyway. Yeah. Like, could you imagine me trying to pass? Like, it'd be horrendous. Like people would be horrible to me. They wouldn't actually, not to my face, but I'd always feel like they were being horrible to me. It's in the same way that I think if I was gay and I was walking down the road with my boyfriend, you, um, they, my, uh, we wouldn't get targeted by um, like homophobes because they'd be like, there's going to be an easier target. It's the same reason that I don't worry about getting mugged is because I think, there's go- if I was in their boots, I'd be like, there's going to be an easier target coming around the corner. We can leave the, the six foot eight and the six foot five fellas alone <laughs> and just wait for somebody you know, maybe a little bit yeah. more slender. Like, look yeah. for a twink in that situation. Yeah. Fair. Um, and so, yeah, I just think, like, just let them do what they want. Like, they're not doing yeah. anyone any harm. I do. Yeah, I agree with that. And I feel, and I'm, I'm concerned because I feel like uh, I, I might be kind of. Um, uh, you know, flirting with a with a line in my politics that I don't, you know, my kind of my personal beliefs that that don't kind of marry up too much. But like, um, and I don't know enough about it, so I haven't done. I don't know uh, enough about yeah, it. Either. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's it's a, a two white men this week. That, uh, yeah, that is the massive qualifier. But I don't, I don't know enough about it. But you know, there are a lot of people talking about that kind of very young age uh, medical intervention or for you know kind of gender reassignment. I don't think that and happens that, that much. Like I don't, I don't worries me a bit. I think it's always like a much bigger. Like when there was that. Um, lady who um was a man and had transitioned and she was put into a woman's prison and she like raped somebody which i didn't even know if happened i saw a fucking yeah. headline and it was in yeah. the daily mail and it was on yeah. twitter so i was so far removed from the actual story like i'd have to go and do my thing but that seems to be like a thing that gets brought up a lot by turfs when they're talking about danger um the dangers of, of trans women in in um, women only spaces um like I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, like, I just don't think people, I just don't think the vast majority of people, I always think, like, what's the saying? Like, ah, oh, fuck, I can't remember what it is. It's something like hard laws, no, hard rules make bad laws or something like that, anyway. Hard dicks make bad laws. Um, <laughs> but, like, uh, I, I, but what, what I mean is, like, if you've got, like, something that affects a... A group of people mm. and it in, in this case like say people um being reassigned at a younger age yeah. um like because so, the thing is that oh kids don't know their own minds and they think you know they might do it because they're confused or whatever i don't think like anyone any doctors signing off on a fucking um on bottom surgery for a little girl to become a little boy because she likes climbing trees and wearing dungarees um and i think like good i think uh, but but and, and i and i think like um it, it sort of makes it's one of those things where it makes a lot of sense where like in terms of just like pure scientific sense like if you wanted to transition uh, from a from a male into a female it would make sense um to do that before puberty because um yeah you you're not going to have the yeah, huge yeah. hormone hits yeah 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 so so chest hair chest hair and adam's apples and things like yeah. that aren't so much of an issue yeah um 
I think that's fair enough. But I, I mean, I, yeah, it just. But I, I don't know. I don't necessarily I, think it's a great idea either. Because if no. Theo turned around to me and said, "Dad, I'm um, Theodora now." Yeah. And I want to transition today. He's spitting in the sink. What the fucking hell are you doing? <laughs> he's just in the kitchen, just spitting in the sink. He's, <laughs> like, he's feral now. Lockdown, mate. Yeah. Feral. He's literally tops off in his jeans, spitting he's, in the sink. He's trying to persuade you that he definitely yeah. doesn't want to transition. He's heard you talking and he's gone full man. Oh, Charlie's come downstairs. You know where you can tell because the fucking... Um, She's turned on the aircraft carrier. Um, oh no! No, it would be it wouldn't be the carrier. It would be the plane on the aircraft carrier. And Theo's running a tap and spitting in the sink at the same time. Oh, uh, thank you. What a time! What a time! Um, so yeah, but I so I don't necessarily think it'd be like the best. It's the greatest idea to transition as a child either, because I think like kids don't know. Can you pass me my water, please? Because um, it's oh, fucking hell. It's all going on down here. Um, because it's. Um, you know, kids don't often know. You know, if you let a kid and like a twelve-year-old get a tattoo, I don't think they'd want it when they were thirty. But yeah. then I also don't know. So what's yeah, someone exactly. else? Yeah, you know, exactly. let them deal yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. Fuck them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I would hope it isn't happening at that kind of like young, like an incredibly young age. I don't, I don't know, and, and I, I wonder whether how much of it is kind of like turf propaganda. I think it is a lot of it. I think a lot of this shit is turf propaganda because I think because yeah. what they're basically saying is that um, with the whole like trans women thing is that um, they are scared of men, which um, which makes sense. Like, you know, men are scary. You know, if I was a woman, I wouldn't want to hang around with men either. We seem pretty shitty. Um, but I don't know why they're te- why they're not like. There was a good article in the. Um, there was a good article, Charlie. Charlie, if you want to come on the podcast, you've got an open invitation. Okay. She's gonna bet you do, Playboy. Um, she the um, <laughs> um, you cannot stand off camera, off mic, shouting things at John whilst he's doing the podcast. Yeah, Rick says That's this real. is unfair. Um, no, so um, like there was a good article in the Guardian today, um, which was written by a cis hetero woman. Um, fucking the you know like I. The, the the I get why people are a bit like funny with the terminology because it just seems like there's a lot more terminology now. But I just think just learn it, just learn it, just learn what it means. And then it's not that difficult. And yeah, then it really is. You won't ever have to use it that much. Yeah, it's really um, not that difficult. It's not that difficult. Um, so uh, yeah, so um, there's an article written in the Guardian today, and and the woman in it said like, a, yeah, a, a man could wear women's clothing to get into a woman's area and attack a woman but a man could also wear a delivery man's clothing to get into a woman's house or a ambulance driver's clothing to get in a woman's house and we're not banning delivery drivers or ambulance drivers either or or, or just wear women's clothes like whatever like you know they they don't necessarily have to have undergone any surgery or any reassignment to pretend you're a woman to get away with crime no, but the the point the point that a lot of turfs, uh, I mean, obviously they hate trans women. I, I think I think a lot of it is because of the. I think it's a feeling that, like in feminism, which is true. Obviously, men do have it a lot um, easier than women. I've never once had to of consider course. which way I'm going to walk home or whether to yeah. get in a taxi or not. Yeah, yeah exactly. of course. Yeah, um, but the but in in some in some feminism 
the I think and I, I might not be right, but the feeling that I have around um, trans exclusion and radical feminism is that the it's almost like the trans woman had it so good as a man and now she's trying to steal whatever little benefits there are to being a woman um and it's like no we were here first you know we were women first so which is fucking mental um but but yeah so so um migrants are good trans people are good yeah um i'm 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 sorry i made a joke no (laughs) (laughs) i'm getting off the bus now (laughs) yeah so um so interesting uh someone uh a, a post that i put on about um uh black lives matter uh some fucking weeks ago uh a guy commented on today um who i'm not really friends with it was kind of friend you know was uh the ex-husband of one of lena's mates you know friend like, of jason like just so far removed from me like yeah. I, you know I, I i literally i didn't even know the guy when it said that he'd commented on my post i didn't know who he was and i had to literally click into his profile and look at who he was um uh and he was like uh and he was like uh accused me of you know virtue signaling which is fine you know accuse away i'm I, you know i'm not not fucking got a glass jaw do you know what i mean you crack on mate um there uh but he also said black lives matter uh absolutely without a doubt uh, but white privilege doesn't exist. There was a John Amici, a personal hero of ours. Um, I've literally based my entire look around him in his 40s and 50s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he did a really good thing on for um, BBC Bite Size. Um, so for like GCSE age kids, explaining what white privilege was. Yeah. And what he basically said was, it's, it's not like stuff is easy. It just yeah. means that stuff is less hard. No, well, so, I th- well, the, well. The best, the best description I've heard of it, and I've I've nicked it several times now. And then it's like, uh, no one's saying that you're, you know, you're, you're better off, or that you're rich, or that you've got a fucking brilliant job, or that you've never had any issues because you're white. That's not what white privilege is, okay? Uh, and yes, of course, you've had a hard time, and yes, you've had a very tough life, and mm-hmm. you've had to work hard for everything you've got, right? You might be in debt, you might have issues, you might, have, you know, ex, not be able to see your kids, whatever. You could have all of the problems under the sun. Right, and not had any kind of leg up because you're white, but none of your problems have arise, arisen because of the color of your skin. Yeah, exactly. So if you're if you've got a mate who's disabled and it takes him ten minutes to get into his house yeah. um, because he lives on the second floor and the lift doesn't work, yeah. um, like I've got legs that work, so that's yeah. not an issue for me. I've yeah, got leg leg, leg privilege. Yeah, yeah. So I don't understand why it's I don't understand why it's particularly controversial. I think the reason it's controversial is because people recognise that their lives, unless you're, I mean, if we said there was such a thing as rich privilege, people wouldn't be like, hang on a minute, the rich have it just as hard as the rest of us, or like inheritance privilege that like if your dad was a multi-billionaire, your life is going to be easier than it. And people wouldn't, I don't think that'd be that controversial. If it was controversial, it'd be controversial to dickheads. And I I think, I think because of the word privilege, so people think that that what you're saying is, are they been given It's a lack of of education. They've they've had an easy ride because they're white and they're living in a council estate. But yeah, but like in the grand scheme of things, you've had an easier ride. It doesn't mean you've had an easy ride. It just means on the spectrum, 
you you will never you, you, closer to easier yeah. than difficult yeah. compared to somebody who isn't yeah. white. Yeah, you you have never been negatively impacted by systemic racism. If you went and lived in China, and you were like, That's "This really is weird. really difficult." This is his argument. This is his argument. He said he lived in Hong Kong for a while, and uh, and so you know, white privilege obviously didn't exist there. And if you went, he said, if you went and lived in China, you, you know, you realize that there's no such thing as white privilege. And I was like, well, even yeah, even in China, China, right? Even if I, even if I take that to be true, and it was interesting because someone else then pitched in and she said, well, I lived in China for a long time actually, and they were like all of the skincare products for women had like bleaching. So don't. No, but if I, if I if I went and lived in China tomorrow. I would find it difficult because I wouldn't understand a lot of the cultural norms and I wouldn't speak the fucking language. So I would be like, I would be like, oh yeah, maybe white privilege isn't as, as key. But then I would also go, it's probably pretty easy being white here because it's pretty easy being white most places. Anywhere. Yeah. But the point is, even if you take that, even if you give him that and say, all right, white privilege doesn't exist in China, right? He, he raised the discussion around George Floyd. He started talking about the US and we were talking about the UK generally. So... Forget China for a minute, mate. Right? Do you think the white privilege doesn't exist in the UK or the US? Mm. Like, and you know, it's just fucking ridiculous, really. Well, I mean, like, I, I think, like, yeah, I think that, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not willing to write off everybody who thinks that white privilege doesn't exist because I think you could probably have a conversation with most of them and explain we're not um, saying your life is easy yeah. we're saying your life has been made easier while still maybe being difficult but imagine all your circumstances but your skin color was di- was different i mean the exactly there was a i can't remember the lady's name it was a channel 4 documentary a few years ago which um she is a teacher in america and she does real fucking hard line anti-racism lectures yeah. where she gets a group of people she um, identifies a um, like a differing um, physical property, so it might be blue eyes and brown eyes, or it might be like dark hair, light hair, whatever. And she gives the minority group um, shit, and gets everybody who's in the majority group to give them shit as well, yeah. using basically the same language that you would have heard. Well, potentially still hear people talk about uh, yeah. black people. And her point is that, like, is that like um, you haven't got the lived experience, but even without you having the lived experience, who here who's white would like to be like to switch and be a black person? Who would like to be treated like a black person in your society from now? And no one puts their fucking hand up. Everyone yeah. gets it. But yeah. then as soon as she moves the conversation to, so there's racism in your society, it goes back to, no, nah, there's not. Yeah. No, nah, we're not racist at all. No, 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 no. So if they would just, I don't know, stop sagging their jeans, then you know, <laughs> we'd all be the same. And it's fucking mental. Yeah, it's, it's it is ludicrous. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. anyway. It is ludicrous. I mean, we we live in so, we live in a, we live so in a race. I'm gonna country. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to engage in the conversation with him and hope that he com- converses back and we'll, and we'll see where we get to. And one of his arguments was that that he said, um, "What's her name? Uh, Penny McDonald, who came up with the, the, the her list of white privileges, mm-hmm. uh, American woman, uh, and she uh, and number twenty six on her list was was uh, plasters." They're pink, right? They're, they're, they're kind of white skin tones. Uh, and it was only 2019 where you could commercially buy brown plasters in the UK. 2019. That's mental. And either, you know, there's a, there's a either 
people have thought it's not important to have brown plasters, which is bad, right? The, the, whoever's making those decisions, those manufacturers, or they haven't even considered that there is any other skin color. I, I think both I, of those issues. I, I think it's probably completely was probably completely a commercial decision where they went. We can't be bothered to set up a secondary manufacturing line, so you can just have white plasters as well. It, well, it's like how long yeah. you know how long did it take for there to be like I mean it it was early two thousands where um, Mac came over here and became a um, a big um, uh, makeup brand um, and that was initially predominantly set up it's not anymore I think it's it's all things to everyone I think like all of the big makeup brands do um, like foundation in different skin tones and stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was like such a like a a late thing that yeah. you're just like how the fuck did yeah. And his argument, his argument, right? So that was number twenty six on our list was 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 pink plasters essentially. Um, she phrased it slightly differently, and the guy who ch- chimed in on my on my Facebook post said, uh, "You know, uh, Penny McDonald, uh, number forty six on her list." So he clearly hadn't even fucking read it himself; he heard it from someone else. Number forty six on her list of things uh, that 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 prove white privilege: uh, white bandages. And I was like, mate, you've got this so fucking confused. It's not even <laughs> someone else has told you that and you've been outraged and thought how ridiculous <laughs> is it and so you've recited it and it's not even accurate. So yeah. I yeah, I don't know. I think basically I think people don't wanna um I think if you've it is weird. Uh, yeah, if you live in a if you live in a um racist society i mean we're, we're not just racist we're classist we're sexist we're um homophobic like yep. the like our, just because we like let graham norton on bbc on a friday night doesn't mean that gay people still don't get beaten up for the fact that they're gay Correct. like so we've got all this shit going on and then you're like well i'm top of the tree i'm a white man and yet my life is still dog shit as well and it's like well yeah of course because unless you're like everything on the hierarchy you're still going to be oppressed in different ways and you might not recognize it it's just an idea that your oppression is um you know isn't necessarily as difficult to deal with it 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 might allow you some comfort to to not recognize it anyway fuck them um Move on. I read an interesting. Oh yeah, we'll move on. I read an interesting article. Um, so David Kilcullen was a national security um, advisor to Barack Obama. So he's an Australian author, strategist, and counterinsurgency expert. And he used to be, um, yeah, coordinator for counterterrorism, chief strategist in the office of the coordinator for counterterrorism in the U.S. State Department. Um, and he was um, advisor to General David Petraeus, who you might remember was um, caught shagging his um, mistress and passing her um, state secrets under. Ah, uh, yes. Was a big, yeah, I remember was a big the guy. A while ago. Yeah. yeah, anyway. Good dude. Good so dude. He's, he's, so he's like not, a, he's not me. He's not like a guy on the fringe just screaming into the abyss. His view is that um, this is a. Um, a uh, direct quote from him. Uh, um, so I think what we're seeing here in the States right now is almost a pre-revolutionary situation where you've got different population groups moving apart from each other, losing confidence in the state, arming up, getting organized. And of course, right in the middle of this, towards the end of the year, we're going to see, you know, the next wave of COVID impact spiking right around the period of the next election. 
which is likely to be one of the most violently contested elections in living memory in the US. So his view is that nuclear-armed America and potentially is uh, in um, pre-revolutionary or um, pre-Civil War period and um, the next eight months before they launch the nukes are going to be interesting. I I, I completely agree. I think uh, it's surely only a matter of time before... Um... Uh, before some kind of conflict kicks off with China. No, they're saying in America, though. They're not, oh, even, saying, oh, uh, they're not but, even saying a China conflict. They're saying a civil war in America between right and left or pre-revolutionary between the have-nots and the haves. Well, that and that's fine. There is a precursor there to to to, uh, to wider conflict because I think it's only a matter of time. China, uh, Russia, you know, um, seem to be swinging the dick around a little bit too much as well at the moment. And... Um, I just I just don't see it being a huge um so the so the China thing obviously is 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 more worrying but I think what you'll just see is proxy we, the, the, there's a there's a there's a good podcast I'm listening to at the moment um about the JFK assassination um which is called and I'll find it and then you can listen to it as well um which is called uh, death is just around the corner um and uh like he he was talking about um the cold war um it's like a five-part series on the jfk assassination um, and he's talking about the cold war and he's saying well the easiest way to view the cold war is not as a um uh a quiet conflict between two superpowers is to view it as a third world war it's just a third world war that wasn't fought in russia um america or western europe it was fought everywhere else between um you know, like we've got our side, you've got your side, we'll give them weapons and assistance, you give them weapons and assistance. And, you know, like the Vietnam War was for um, with, uh, with huge amounts of Russian assistance, like they, um, they found so there was a whole I read an interesting this is I read this years ago, but there was a statistic about MIGs versus whatever the fighter jet the Americans were using at the time, MIGs outnumbered um, the US fighter jets 10 to one. And the view was always that um, as long as the Americans could keep the kill ratio um, between um, around about one to fourteen, so for every fighter plane they lost, the whoever the you know the Russians, for example, um, well the Russians actually finally, um, as long as they lost fourteen, it was fine. Um, if it ever dropped much below that. Um, they'd have to use um, nuclear weapons, and then that's going to be the end of the world. Um, and they saw in Vietnam that, yeah, it's about 1 in 14, um, 1 in 15, I think it was, was the ratio. So it was fine. You know, the, the numbers were sticking up. Um, but what they um, what they just sort of knew but didn't really admit was that the 1 in 14 figure was only against when they were fighting against the Vietnamese um army like the, the vietnamese air force right. when they had russian pilots because there were russian pilots that fought in vietnam yeah. as well yeah, yeah, yeah. it was about one in four right um so if it ever did kick off they, and they actually did have to fight against russia then we'd all be dead um and it and and, and so i don't i think a war against china if you look at china's like investment in um other governments other countries especially around africa and places like Sri Lanka, where there's like Chinese land in Sri Lanka, where they bought up the port, and it's Chinese official, like 
effectively Chinese soil. Um, they, uh, I think you'll see proxy fights. I don't think you'll see direct conflict because direct conf- conflict isn't feasible, really. You'd have to have like a like a true existential I've fight. Heard, I've, I've, never heard long- in, um, I've never heard in. I've never heard in in uh, kind of uh, living memory. Uh, I don't know whether that's the right expression, really, but I can't remember ever hearing such aggressive political rhetoric as uh, the Chinese uh, ambassador to the UK um, when we were talking about just... We basically said, look, if if you've got a Hong Kong passport, you can come to the UK because they've they've reneged on their agreement. Um, uh, and, 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 And the guy was like, he was like, look, you know, we want to be friends with the UK, but uh, if you keep interfering in our business, then uh, you'll make us an enemy and you will regret it. Like that was his, that was the rhetoric. And I was like, in modern politics, people don't talk like that anymore. Like they, 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 they I mean, you do hear that in, in modern politics. Like, and I don't think it's like a lot of the time what you hear that's aggressive isn't playing for the, other side of the table is playing for your base is is playing for back home so it's saying like because the, the the reason that china are pushing hong kong so hard is not because they i mean obviously they don't want a territory that's a, that's effectively outside of their jurisdiction but they're it's because people in china want hong kong back hmm. like it's, it's they want it to be part of mainland china they're like you know this was taken away from us so you gotta remember that like we had um uh, Boxer, Revol- uh, Boxer Rebellion, the Opium Wars, um, you know all of this stuff. It was yeah, it was it was difficult for China to fight against. Which, We've got ten minutes left apparently this month. I've just bought a fucking another hour. Is this it? podcast joke? Ooh. I'll add another. Well, this month. It's well, no, because it. Yeah, but um, when you summed up, fine. fine yeah, fine. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I just. I think uh, there's. If if it was as simple as everyone in in China and Hong Kong was happy with the situation, then there wouldn't be fucking mass riots and uh, students being being disappeared uh, across uh, Hong Kong. So. Uh, no, Hong I, Kong I doesn't want to be returned. Of course, Hong Kong doesn't want to be. I mean, it's a Northern Ireland situation. Yeah. You've got a group of people, you've got a mainland that wants one thing to happen and you've got a territory that wants something completely different to happen because they've been used to living a different way. Yeah, that's not quite as clear cut though, is it? Uh, Northern Ireland, to be fair. I think there's there's large swathes of Northern Ireland that would quite like to be... Uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Catholics in Northern yeah. Ireland, but then you have got um, loyalists in Northern Ireland that don't yeah. obviously don't. I mean, there's a reason why it's not. You know, if it was as simple as we'd have given it up in the seventies, that wouldn't have been worth it to keep it. It was because of the. Um, but the, I mean, but you, and if you want to look at uh, if you like anything that not China's doing at the moment, right? anything that China's doing at the moment, well, we didn't use. We didn't use Northern Ireland as a breadbasket like we had for um, the hundreds of years before that. Um, no, but it's not that simple from a political point of view. Like we, you know, at the time, we still, for example, owned Hong Kong, 
right? And uh, and a load of other bits and bobs, right? And the minute you go, but well, China wasn't delivering, um, it hadn't murdered sitting members of the cabinet, so like they were, yeah, that's a, that's a response to terrorism, isn't it? Right, yeah, they but, hadn't, they like, hadn't blow, murdered blow up, Prince Charles's some, uncle, blow up some <laughs> of London, and we'll do whatever you want. That's the message, yeah. is it? Oh, that's my message to everybody <laughs> so that so it's not that easy politically is it because they can't they can't just give it up like that in the face of well i mean why do you think we have the good friday agreement like you know i always say there's two um political single issue political um organizations that have ever achieved um their goals as successfully um as the ira and suffragettes like no one else manages to get what they want, and why did they get it? Because they were willing to use direct action. I mean, there's a lot of people who who, who changed, you know, for example, civil rights and the like through through direct action. I don't think the IRA and the suffragettes are the only two people you can pick out for that job. No, I, so I just meant in like like the modern era in um, British politics is what I was talking about. I mean, you could say like the Brexit Party, but you know, it's co-opted by. The Tories, the like, Tories wanted it as well. So, right, the the, the state absolutely. Where, does John, where not do you stand? It. Are you a rebel? What am I up the raw? Yeah, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, did I say on the podcast about my mum asking if um, she thought if um, we had any IRA sympathisers in our family, and I said, "Yeah, me and Liam." <laughs> <laughs> How did she respond to that? She laughed, yeah. Have you got some Irish? You've got some Irish heritage, haven't you? Yeah, everyone in my family's Irish. Like, not obviously not now. Like, we're all English now because we were all, I was born here and everyone else was as well. But, like, my grandmother and my grandfather on my mum's side are both Irish. My uh, dad's dad's Irish. My dad's mum's half Irish, half German. Right. But they're American Irish, so they don't count. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, but I mean, it's not that. Like, I'm not. I don't identify as Irish or anything like that. I mean, it depends if I'm talking to an Irish girl or not. Um, <laughs> Which you did, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, like, yeah, I. Um, it's more just like if you look at like the history of um, the Northern Ireland of the Troubles, you'll see a um, a state massively oppressing a group of its of its citizens. Like, this is what a lot of people forget. Like, everyone in the IRA in Northern Ireland was an English citizen, a British citizen. Like, and they were, um, like, murdered in the streets. Not just, like, members of um, members of the IRA, but just random Catholic citizens. Like, the SAS were driving around in unmarked cars with machine guns, yeah. firing into crowds of Catholics to try and in, basically incite um, retaliations. They were provi- the last bomb that went off in Dublin, I think it went off in 1969 or 1970, the explosives were provided by the British government. So like it's what, we, we so know what, this. What's the what was the motivation? Sorry, what was the motive? What was the motivation? It was to blow up IRA. Um, the last bomb that went off in Dublin was to blow up um, like people who were in the IRA. It was set what in. Was, um, what was the SAS motive? The oh, the SAS's motive was just to incite was to incite retaliation. What, so they wanted right. to what end? To to kick things off to get the uh, Catholics effectively to get them to pick because it's it's difficult to have a conflict against the civilian population that doesn't fight back now i mean there's only about 1500 members of the ira um like they weren't like twenty five thousand soldiers they were fighting against 
it's very it's very small numbers of um, the actual um, Irish Catholic community picked up arms. They wanted more. They wanted more. They wanted to basically be able to crack down even harder. Um, yeah, I mean, so there's there's like some some stuff with soldier retaliations where you know they view um, anyone who's Catholic as um potential i mean what you see in um iraq or afghanistan now yeah. is the same thing is you know you go and kick down a door everyone everyone's a hadji everyone you know everyone's got a gun they all deserve it you know and you just justify mm-hmm. um it doesn't make it any writer um but it's, it's still obviously wrong Anyway, um, I'm going to skip the conversation around Iraq and was Robin Cook murdered, which is my favourite <laughs> conspiracy theory that I've read this week. I think he definitely was. Um, but if if you if you're bored like me and you, you're running out of content, um, there's a really good podcast um, from um, the ex-producer of Chapo um, called um, Fucking What Is It Called? Jesus Christ, my memory's gone to shit. Um, it's all the drugs blowback called blowback about the Iraq war it's very interesting Uh, it goes from um, it goes right back from British um, occupation of Iraq um, back in the 20s um, through to um, present day Uh, it's on episode 9 now Um, so it's it's a mini series it's not going to be an ongoing one Um, but it's really well produced so let's talk about um, Ellen DeGeneres. Did you see that? Oh um, okay, so did you hear about um, former employees say Ellen's be kind talk show mantra masks a toxic work culture? Oh, really? Yeah. Is so she being me rude? No, well, so she's... Yeah, let me get to that. Oh, sorry. Um, there's been rumours in Hollywood for years that she's just a cunt. Like She's a horrible person. Like She's very aggro, kicks oh, right. off people, treats people like shit. And that's been going on for years. Yeah, people have been talking about that for years. Was, um, and then dozens of former Ellen Show employees say executive producers engaged in rampant sexual misconduct and harassment. Ooh. So ex-employees said one executive producer had a reputation for being handsy with women and that another solicited oral oh, sex man. at a work party. So it's all coming out now. So then um, there was a conversation about who's going to replace Ellen. And initially they were in talks with James Corden, which gives me an opportunity to talk about how much of a wank he is. (laughs) What a melt. He's done all right though, hasn't he? He has, especially for being um, the thing about, the thing pisses me off about James Corden is that he is like legitimately talented. Um, He's, a good actor. Um, he's just a cunt. He's just an awful person. Why? Did you did you hear the story about um, him on the um, flight from New York to London? Um, and they the have you heard this story before no, about the no. crying baby? No. So this is a story that appeared in Pop Bitch, um, which is a um, like a, a gossip a fabricated magazine. By the sounds. Yeah, it's it's good. It's it's like it's the stuff that that you wouldn't get in a proper publication because they'd never be able to sign it off. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's <laughs> so, so untrue. 
No, no, no. It's the type of stuff that because a lot of stuff is um, isn't published because you know, like the reason the Tiger Woods stuff took years to come out is because every time a, new, uh, a magazine or newspaper said, um, "Oh, um, we've got like definitive evidence that Tiger Woods has been shagging around," yeah. we've got people on record now. Yeah, um, his management company would go, "You could publish that, and I'm sure it'd do you very well." All of the other people that I represent will never appear in your magazine or newspaper ever again. Yeah. Or you could not publish it and Tiger will be on the front cover next month. What do you want to do? And they'd go, well, we'll have Tiger on the front cover next month because the sales would like, they'd yeah, get a yeah, sales yeah. spike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's how a lot of celebrity um, PR works is it's not about um, like whether they want to publish something because it's true or not. It's about whether they will retain access to the type of celebrities. So they it's need not to like Ray Donovan. Anyway, James Corden. It's not like Ray Donovan. I don't That's think that... I mean, there are celebrity fixers. Um, they've been around for years. Should we do um, that? Should we do that as a new line of work? We got, we got no in, so I don't know how we would. I'd like to do it, yeah. I'd like to do that. I'd like to be a political fixer. I'd like to be like the type of person that goes around and like smashes a um, journalist's hands with a ballpin hammer um, yeah. for daring to question the powerful. Yeah. Should we do that? Oh, yeah, I'll be good at it. I'd, yeah, I'm up for it. I'd, if you can, if we... anyone can get me an, in, an interview. Um, no with... interviews. No interviews, John. We don't need interviews. We're not applying. Oh, for just help. get me an in. Yeah. We need someone who knows someone famous to hook us up uh, to be the celebrity fixer. Um, yeah, I don't know if I want to do it for celebrities, though, because I don't fine. mind beating up journalists. Or a politician. Fine. Or a politician. Yeah. For, for politicians. Uh, Should have just joined MI5, really. Um, no, that doesn't sound as fun. Anyway, it's fucking James Corden's story. Jesus, I want to try and keep this under an hour because Charlie's been having a go at me about. Um, I can clean all three. She only listens to the podcast when she's cleaning the bathrooms, and she's like, "I can clean all three, all three bathrooms, and I've still got half an hour to go." She's got like three episodes she's got to listen to. So uh, she said, "Can you keep it under an hour in the future?" Oh, God's sake! I mean, it's completely reasonable. They were running for an hour and forty minutes at times. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, when I put the extended version of "Loose Control" by Bobby by Bobby Brown on, then uh... <laughs> fine. Well, we have got nine minutes. You going to finish this story? Yeah. Half an hour into a New York to London flight, passengers in business class notice a woman with a crying baby being brought through by uh, the curtains by a flight attendant. They looked on in mild horror as they saw the attendant direct her into an empty seat next to James Corden. Expecting a huge celebrity hissy fit to kick off, Corden's cabin mates were impressed to see that he didn't say a word or make any sort of complaint. He simply put on a pair of noise-cancelling headphones, pulled an eye mask over his eyes and turned away from her to sleep. Pretty decent of him, right? When the play landed, though, passengers were surprised to see Corden remain seated as the woman with the baby struggled to open the overhead locker. And even more surprised, no, and even more surprised when she turned to Corden and said, "For fuck's sake, can you at least hold the baby while I get the bags down?" The woman was his wife. The baby was his baby. That's a terrible story. In what way? What is the what? Sorry, was that news? No, it was like a, they do like they publish like gossipy little stories about um, celebrities that wouldn't get into like Heat magazine or stuff like that. So is that? I mean, is, sorry, am is, I am that, I supposed to accept that a that's true and b a that's true? What and b they're not grossly exaggerating what actually happened. 
But I mean, that's that's the story that they felt they felt um, they felt fit to print. I suppose is the best way to put it. I mean, there's plenty of stories about. Do you not remember when um, the when James Corden went mad at Patrick Stewart? Or when he went mad that he didn't win um, a Best Actor award at BAFTA. He went mad at like, Patrick Stewart. He went mad at Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart gave him a few good digs. When did he go mad at uh, Patrick Stewart? It was at some award show that he was the presenter at, and he was being like a bit. Corden was being a bit obnoxious, and Stewart gave him just a few digs, and then he gave Stewart a few digs back about being in Star Trek. And there was a, there was a, Corden didn't ask me anything. Corden Corden didn't ask me anything on Reddit. um, I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, And um, every question was, why are you such a knobhead? I met you here. Why are you such, why were you such a knobhead? Somebody was like, you were out with Harry Styles. Harry Styles was lovely. You were an absolute dickhead. Why are you such a knobhead? <laughs> it was good. Every every question he didn't answer. He answered five questions. <laughs> Were any of them about him being a knobhead? No, none of them. Oh, dodger. And then there's a lot of like stories about you know he does that a league of their own. Awful. About how everyone else um, is like the crowd can come down after shooting and they get like selfies and autographs and stuff like that, and he just fucks off to his trailer and screams abuse at the production team. Oh, really? So apparently he's a well-known dickhead. So all of my point was, you may be thinking that you can replace a groundbreaking lesbian talk show host with one that looks like a fat lesbian, but they can't both be dickheads. Yeah. You know, you yeah. need to find someone nice. Find someone nice. Yeah. And then 10 years' What's time... This, have- I find it interesting, this kind of phenomenon of, like, celebrities on, on the face of it who seem fucking lovely. Um like the classic one is David Jason, or was David Jason, wasn't it? Why like, was he notorious? He was dick. an absolute fucking arsehole, a miserable cunt off camera. And you just think it's funny, isn't it? Because you take such like lovable kind of uh, on-screen personalities, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. It just jars when you tr- when you're presented with the facts. Which do you, do you know what anyone uh, the the one that surprised me most in the opposite direction was when we used to live in the Hen and Chickens. Um, Matt, Matt Lucas. No, I've never met Matt Lucas. What um, you met Matt Lucas? Frankie, no, I met I met um, what's his name from Peep Show. David Mitchell. Mark. David Mitchell, I met him once and he was just quietly drinking and seemed, you know, nice enough. But no, Frankie Boy used to do a lot of his warm-up gigs for his tours, like basically working out his jokes and what yeah, worked yeah, and what yeah. in the Hen and Chickens. And every time he'd come in, he was just like a very quiet, sweet, like affable guy. Yeah. Would like stand downstairs talking to the guy who ran the theatre yeah. for ages, like like just catching up. Just seemed like a nice guy. Like just seemed like a really and obviously his like persona is really caustic. Yeah. Um his he's actually his Did new you have brand. a beer with him? Did you drink with him? I had a bill I had a beer with Phil Bailey. I had a ah, yeah. the story about the member of the League of Gentlemen I've told on the podcast before getting outed in a uh, seance in the Henny Chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and considering one of them's openly gay yeah. <laughs> it really does limit down to the other two amazing um actually most everyone that you'd you'd meet in the pub was i tell you i tell you the best one ever was um daniel day lewis 
when he was in London, had a mate who lived around the corner from the commercial in Herne Hill. Yeah. And so he used to drink in there. Um, his mate it was, is an English actor who was in Gangs of New York, who you would recognise as being... Like the what like he would be, you would recognize him from having been in like an episode of the bill. He's like a real like bit. No one knows his name. He's just like a bit player. Right. See him in things. Bull dead fella. Yeah. Um. And Daniel Day Lewis used to drink in there, and he was a really nice. Like, I never I never spoke to him. Charlie obviously like order from the bar and stuff like that, but just seemed like quite a sweet. Saw him in there a few times. You'd always like you'd obviously stare at him as you're walking past, yeah. <laughs> like smile at you. You know, yeah. um, that's a good. So one. I don't think it's I don't think it's always up. Oh, I met I met Mark Ratcliffe in the park once. Who's that? Um, he is a very famous stage actor um, who, for a while, looked like he was going to be like a big Daniel Day Lewis sort of level character actor. He's he's a big actor, yeah. Got a lot of Hollywood films. See, Spielberg works with him a lot. He did um, that Bridge of Spies. He played the Russian spy in Bridge of Spies. He played the BFG in the remake of the BFG. Oh right. Um, he played. Um, do you see Ready Player One? Uh, no. Uh, he was in that. He was the like. Uh, Ratcliffe. Genius. Ratcliffe. Radcliffe. Radcliffe. Mark Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe? Oh, make your mind up. Radcliffe. Rat- yeah, Mark Radcliffe is the Radio 1 DJ. Mark Ratcliffe. What's the guy's name? It's not Mark Ratcliffe. I'll tell you that for free. Bridge of Spies. Mark Rylance. Fucking hell, John. That was nice. He's so famous. I can't remember his fucking name. Mark Rylance. And he's got a little dog, a little Jack Russell Terrier called Hercules that me and Thea met him in the park once when he's walking his dog. And he was nice. I said, oh, you've got a nice dog. He was oh, thank you. I was like, what's his name? He said, Hercules. I went, good name. He's a tiny little Jack Russell. So yeah, so there are okay. nice celebrities. Brilliant. You know? I embarrassed myself in front of... Um, Mark Gatiss once, and he was a very nice man about it and didn't make me feel at all insecure about how badly I'd embarrassed myself. So, how you know, bad was nice it? Memories. Have you talked about this already? I've talked about this before, yeah. It was it was after Charlie embarrassed herself in front of Paul Whitehouse. Uh, I gushed over. Over Paul? <laughs> over Mark Gatiss. No, she just got giddy in the streets. We'd just moved to London, and it was the first, I think it was the first famous person she'd ever seen. Obviously, she didn't grow up going to Chelsea games like I did, seeing Tim Lovejoy. Did I tell you I saw a whole bunch of Lushes outside uh, outside um, the Red Lion in uh, in London? You know, the the pub next, uh, closest to the Houses of Parliament? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's called the Red Lion. And there was, um, I'm not going to be able to remember any of their names now. You watch this. Um, you any more stories like that, mate? Yeah, hang on. No, it was, uh, it was, um, I'm going to describe them at length now and you're going to have to guess who they are. Uh, Margoyles, Miriam Margoyles. Yep. Chris, Christopher Biggin. <laughs> Fucking hell. So it was and like, it was like an 80s TV program. It was like an 80s TV program. And, and the, the guy, the Scottish actor who plays the dad in Fleabag. Oh, he's a good actor. But he's a great actor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ken, Ken. Oh, fucking hell, what's his name? Bill Patterson. 
Well, I was miles away with Ken. Ken, I was yeah. with Ken Stone. And he's, I don't even know if that's his name. <laughs> uh, and it they were all hammered. Your house. They were all absolutely hammered. Uh, yeah, they drive past all the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I think it was an ambulance, actually. But yeah, they were all bollocksed. Like yeah. flamboyant, just so big, so. Uh, was flamboyant. Oh, I all three that. of them were waving their arms around, gesticulating, drinking red wine, and laughing loudly as strangers. Um, so we're well, we're going to hopefully be doing a job or uh, on um, relating to the engineering of the the new um, the refurbishment of the Houses of Parliament. Do not admit to obviously to the parliamentary authorities that you know me, uh, because you will immediately be taken off the job. Listen, I have to use a fake name already, mate. Don't yeah. worry about you. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so went for a little little tour. Went and drank drank in the uh, in the I think it's called the wool pack or the wool bag. Yeah, wool wool pack is that one of the bars in there? Yeah, no, it's a yeah, and they and it's like notorious for MPs getting pissed and. Getting, getting into sexually assaulting interns and stuff. Yeah yeah, 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 correct. Yeah, so I had a drink in there, which yeah. was quite interesting. Fucking kids as well, you know, just shagging kids. So, yeah, that's it. You got it. Yeah. There's a sign in the toilets says it's okay. Oh my god, what if they're like, what if they're like, you can, you can have this job, recounting. You got to shag a kid. <laughs> no. <laughs> what a bizarre question. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that is Rob's, your... um, to be honest that was actually master commander's question from this <laughs> <laughs> has he surfaced again or has he bottled it he hasn't. he's got back underground i imagine he's um he's probably married um and got a couple of kids on the way now so he's um very much in the style of the btk killer he won't surface for another 10 to 15 years uh i think he lives with his girlfriend but he's not married they've got two cats You've got two cats. One, one looks like Two Face. They had four, but he uh, obviously tortured two of them to death. Yeah, one, one looks like Two Face. Oh, really? What like um... half black, half ginger? Uh, it's pretty cool. What Batman film did you watch? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look. Let's wrap it up. I want to wrap it up. My mum was talking on the phone about so whenever. Um, I talk to my little sister. So you know that my little sister says that I've got three topics that every conversation eventually degenerates into. No, talk about the gulags. Uh, yeah, gulags, getting a lobotomy or chemically castrated or um, violent, everything. Um, violent terrorist um, overthrowing of the government. Yeah. Um, she's got one topic um, that every conversation degenerates down to and that's big brother between the years 2004 and 2007 <laughs> the amount of conversations no. we have no. she, she went to me the other day do you remember that you will not i don't even know if you watch big brother so this no. if anyone remembers this if anyone remembers this send me an email and i will send me an email from the email that is attached to your paypal um, and all I'm going to say is what happened when Marco met his mum after the eviction? That's all I'm going to say. And if anyone sent it to me, I'll send you a tenner. Um, so yeah, nice. that always, it always degenerates. Obviously, Grace, you can't send that, send me that because sure. you're the one who fucking talks to me about it all the time. Oh, yeah. I think, I think um, there'll be a few people who will nail that, mate. You you might be in trouble. First one in tenner, tenner, tenner. um, ten, ten bar. Um, 
she uh we were talking the other day and we were talking about um one of the series of big brother and i mentioned a girl in it called um shell um and i think it was from series five of big brother and she was a very like horse she's a horse girl you know is a very horsey um like like to uh, like do horse riding and stuff like that she's an ex university student sure. who was graduating that year and when she got her, her results i think she got first um she did a um a streak around the garden um and i said yeah do you and i said to grace i was on the on facetime with um grace and my mom went, yeah grace do you remember she had a massive bush and my mom went yeah she had a bush like beaches brook <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh okay oh, that i wrote that down immediately oh, I was like, okay, that. that's a great that line, is so it? good yeah. Oh dear, uh, not anyway. not the kind of things I want to hear your mum say. But there we go. Hey, you know she's uh she gave birth to me. Exactly. So yeah. you know, so you know, it says a lot. Sort of, in, sort of in line, you know. Yeah. Good. Uh, you can see the through line. So um, follow yeah. us on at Good as Hell Cast on Twitter. If you haven't bothered to unlock it yet. Don't know what the password is. Just um, a reminder, mate. Email us. Um, good as hell podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for the zero um, questions this week from Master Commander Jane Kemp. Anyone else who this is? I think it is just those two actually. Yeah, no, we've got a confirmed other. Jen uh, listened. She confirmed she listened the other day. She said we were oh. on fire at the moment with the, with the in terms of episode production, not quality, I don't think. Um, so, no, uh, quality wise, we're. People love it. If only more people could listen to it and I could yeah. get cancelled. Yeah. Um, and just hope you're all <laughs> all right, you know? <laughs> yeah, good. Listen, me and John want to do this for a living and get paid a million. I don't want to do this for a living. What do you mean? Once a week, not having to do anything I'm, else? No, I'd die, I reckon. You're an idiot. What do you mean? If the cinemas are back open, I'm fine. But I'm dangerously bored. I've run out of things to watch. You can still go. You can still go do your other job if you want. I just mean, you know, let's get this, you know. Let's I'd like, I'd like a off of this horribly bad podcast. Every episode. You'd like, you'd like what? A thousand people to listen to every episode. That's all. What, that's we, all what I want. are we on now? Uh, we, get, we get a couple of hundred. Uh, most episodes are about 300 listens. A new episode within a week gets about 150 listens. That feels achievable then. Yeah, but I mean, what's a fucking listen? I want a thousand people religiously listening. So you want a fan base of a thousand? I want a fan base of a thousand. So if we do a live show, if we do a live, if we do a live podcast, we've got a thousand people watching. Right. And then that's the last podcast we ever do. Yeah, you'll kill yourself, Um, won't you? After that. (laughs) Auto erotic asphyxiation in the hotel directly after the live gig. <laughs> on stage during. Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah let's do that uh i've got a bit uh, this the podcast got in but i've got a bit um that i did uh that i do a lot um which is where um i describe trying to listen to um the next door neighbors having a wank um but it's difficult because i've only got two hands and i can't tighten the belt and um keep the glass against the wall yeah (laughs) keep the glass against the wall as i'm uh 
And it's just, I, mean, it's <laughs> I do that one a lot. I do that one a lot to new people yeah. and um, it always goes down well. well but not as well as when I like to say that um, I wish I could get arrested for committing bigamy so that when the um, policeman says to me, I'm marrying two women, that's bigger. I can say, yeah, it was bigger me. <laughs> oh, awful. All right. Lots of love. Love you. Night.